It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome on in to Critical Thinking. This is a deep dive Thursday on the show. I'm Andrew Coppins. He is Pat Oni. You can follow us on social media, but if you're watching, you would know exactly how to do that uh, because all of our social media um, is labeled for you on the program. So watch on Rumble, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, subscribe there, or make sure you're subscribed, you're rating, you're reviewing, you're liking whatever you need to do um, to the podcast. If you're listening, thank you so very much for doing so. Um, as we hinted at yesterday, Pat, um, I, I, I found a, a, a show called the Catholic talk show and I, don't always watch it or listen to it, um, but they caught me with their their catchy uh, headline the other day, the uh, top 10 sayings of Jesus. And I thought to myself, wait, what? How do you rank the sayings of Jesus, right? Well, they didn't. They gave us 10 sayings that they liked. Um, but um, it inspired me to want to also give these 10. Uh, to people and deep dive into the fact that most of us don't realize that Jesus was speaking in the Bible, in the New Testament, right? That uh, people see these things as allegories or secondhand or whatever have you, right? And there are some of these um, books in the Bible, right? Um, especially the books of the... Um, the apostles that are not written by the apostle. It is written about the apostle, but there are hugely important known sayings of Jesus Christ. 
And as we want to root ourselves in in God and you know, kind of be that counterculture, I think it's important that we go through them. So that's what we're going to do on today's show. Uh, but before we do that, Pat, any thoughts on the the idea of we don't understand that Jesus actually spoke. Like everything, everything to me, when when I think of the Bible and when I think of the New Testament, are these stories about Jesus and his teachings. And it's very difficult to understand that there are lessons that Jesus Christ are literally giving us or is literally giving us every single day. His own words. Uh, your thoughts on on kind of that relationship, if you will. Well, I I, I certainly think this is going to be a fascinating conversation. Um, given that you are Catholic and I'm I'm Mormon, um, this is. I think there's going to be a lot of similarities. I think there also might be some subtle differences. Um, and sure. and just knowing that you and I also use like two different versions of the Bible. Um, while albeit similar in nature, the, the language is a little bit different. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, and when, when you change language like that, it can, it can change meaning a little bit too, I, f- I feel like for some people. And that's fine, I suppose. Um, but I, I, I'm mm-hmm. actually fascinated by this conversation um, and this idea that that Christ was speaking, which he actually did. He actually, a lot of what is recorded is him speaking or it's of the actions of Jesus Christ himself mm-hmm. that, that is being recorded. And so when you, when you're looking at this, you know, you're, you're thinking like, well, this is, this is an account from Matthew. Okay. Well, Matthew did write a lot of it, but, but that does not mean that this isn't about Christ or that it wasn't Christ speaking at the time. Um, Right. And so uh, knowing that, you know, we literally have the words of Christ right in front of us that we can have access to on a daily basis, even in, in today's world. And that is, it's comforting, really. Yeah. And, and, you know, in Catholicism, there's always that famous saying, you know, that Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, the way, the light, you know, all of that. And, I think it's a good time right now to take some time and understand that Jesus was giving us a blueprint. And when we are living through a time like we are living in, and much like the time of Jesus, there's a lot of chaos, a lot of upheaval. There was a lot of stuff going on. Not just that the Messiah had come, not just that Judaism or Judaism was going through some chaotic times, but that they were being subjugated by Rome. And there was a lot of upheaval upheaval, and a lot of change, a lot of really horrible people ruling uh, the Roman Empire at the time. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. So he is giving a blueprint for a chaotic time. His words, the things he really spoke to people, Speak to the chaotic times. And I also wanted to bring this up because I think there's a lot of stuff that is said by Jesus in the Bible that people don't even realize has become common nomenclature, common uh, phraseology, if you will, in our society. And a lot of it is actually misunderstood. So let's get into it, Pat. 
And these are in no particular order, by the way. None whatsoever. I kind of jumbled them up a little bit. But we're going to start with Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 34. Jesus said, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. This is, I think, vitally important because of the chaos that we seem to be living in. And I think this is something that everybody struggles with is getting anxious about the day that's in front of them, right? Or or the what could come down the road or what is going to happen tomorrow. And they don't realize that you kind of need to take it one step at a time. And if you slow down and live in the moment, live in the day, you're going to be better off. Right. Let your let the troubles be today's troubles. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We all need to hear that lesson. Uh, it's like the uh, famous saying from, um, well, even actually both Qui Gon Jinn and Master Yoda actually said something fairly similar in, in Star Wars, where mm-hmm. you know in, the, in Episode One, Qui Gon tells Obi Wan one of the one of the first lines of to keep your mind here and now. Um, and focus on the present right and wh- where he asks like well master you said i should be mindful of the future being mindful of the future is one thing but worrying about what's right in front of you is the most important thing exactly exactly um but we're going to move forward because i think that one is kind of self-explanatory but it is important for people to understand that jesus was telling us to live in the moment to live in the moment all right so the second one on this list is going to be mark 836, and I am reading from the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition, by the way, Um, and and Pat will have the uh, King James Bible, Um, but um, this uh, verse in in the chapter of Mark, right? So Mark 836, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Again, we live in these chaotic times, right? But we also live in a time in which a lot of people are so focused on becoming rich, becoming this or that, becoming important, becoming viral, becoming a, a social media star, or this or that or whatever, right? So many people are looking to become profitable, gaining the whole world, and then they've lost everything around them, everybody around them. They literally die in the pursuit of fame, fortune, in the modern sense. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Thoughts? This is, I think it's in Timothy, but but Timothy had talked about you know, like the, the highest form of greed is a, a lust for money, right? Yeah. This kind of is in that same vein a little bit. Um, it's one thing to, you know, ask, you know, to pray for help for your career and to be able to provide for your family. That is one thing. But I think if you are, if you are more focused on making a buck rather than developing your family and, uh, taking care of your community and being involved in the things that are going on around you, you lose focus on what's truly important. Yeah. Ultimately what, what is being said here by Jesus and what he is teaching to uh, the disciples 
and to um, to the rest of the people gathered here is that your life is the most profitable thing that you can have. Life is the profit. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, any other thoughts on this one before we move forward? No, I think this one's fairly self-explanatory. All right. So moving forward, we have Matthew again, uh, 22, uh, and it's the verses 36 through 40. So Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So often we we look to the Ten Commandments. Here's Jesus telling us, if you don't get these two, you can't get the rest. Simply love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I personally think, as I have studied and done Bible study, the most misrepresented or most misunderstood of the teachings of Jesus is actually this. Is actually this one. Especially the love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of people believe that that is like you have to be Christ-like to your neighbor. You have to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. That's not necessarily, he's saying those words, but the, the meaning in the Hebrew context, because he probably would have been speaking Hebrew, not English, right? Or Aramaic at the time, potentially as well. Um, th- that is the only debate that is there. Was he going to speak these um, truths in Hebrew or Aramaic? Um, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For you, Pat, I want to hear what what you and your faith believe about that that statement love your neighbor as yourself so when we talk about neighbor just the term neighbor it's not necessarily the person that lives next door to you Mm -hmm. um it 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 is it's not even necessarily someone that lives in your same community your neighbor is your um your fellow man your peers your Mm-hmm. However you want to look at it. it, it is it is to to love someone else, even a complete stranger, as you would love yourself. And what this means is is not necessarily that you would just give them part of your life or your livelihood. Mm-hmm. It is basically treating them with the same respect that you would want to be treated. It is treating them. Um, when they are in times of need, being able to provide help if you can. Um, because the one thing I will say this, and I think this is where a lot of people kind of kind of misrepresent this a little bit. My, my first and most important duty, um, duty, not necessarily commandment, but duty is to my family and, and being able to provide for my family. If I can't provide for them, how am I supposed to provide for somebody else? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
that doesn't mean so so what that means also though is that i should strive to to live in such a way to where i can teach a man how to fish yeah and and that's part of it the other part of it is the yourself mm-hmm. right? And, right and people miss what jesus and more importantly the actual commandment is telling you is instructing you it is instructing you to to focus on yourself mm-hmm. but it's not a well because these are the values or the things i like right or the things that right. i do i have to impose that on the other or right. or look at the lens of the world through my or you know my lens on the world is the lens that my neighbor needs to look at. No. To love your neighbor as yourself is to, as you put it, to be able to love yourself first and then be able to go to the rest of the world and love them too. That's it. Right. Um, and, and I think it's fascinating that so many people miss this. And there's a lot that we could break down about that idea. But think about this, though. Jesus could have easily picked any of the Ten Commandments, right? Any of them. But he picked mm-hmm. two. He didn't just pick one, he picked two. And they just so happened to be the first two of the Ten Commandments, right? He is saying you cannot, shall not, do not go, past go, do not collect $200 on the Monopoly board unless you do these two things first. Everything else will actually take care of itself if you just root yourself in God, right? Loving God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Because if you intertwine these two, to love yourself is to love God. That's what he's saying. So to love your neighbor neighbor would be to make sure that you love God and that Hmm. you show that example of that love of God to your neighbor. And as we talked about in Reviving Liberty on the very first episode, um, when we took the the path, um, it's rooting yourself in God. And when you do that for yourself, you become naturally an example for everybody that you come in contact with. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. All right. So let's go ahead and move forward here. Uh, we've got two more before we're going to hit the break. Um and by hit the break, I mean we're going to do a little bit of the B or not the B. Uh, but this one comes from the Gospel of Mark, Mark 2.17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. So what he is saying here is that man is sinful, right? Man is sinful in its nature. I don't come here to teach to the righteous. I don't come here to teach to the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin, right? I don't come here to teach to the the rabbis. I come here to save the sinner. I come here for the sick. When we talk about the spirit of the age, it is the embodiment today, right? It is the embodiment. When we talk about this, there there are spirits in every age. It is the physical, metaphysical embodiment of the devil. And I don't mean that in a uh, non-literal sense. I mean that in the literal sense. This is the devil doing his work 
through others. The spirit of the age, it is the devil working through that. But, but he's saying here, I don't, I don't come for those who are healthy, meaning healthy in spirit. I come for those that are sick in their spirit. I come to make sure that the sinner knows that they're, number one, loved by, by God, but number two, that they need to repent, that I can teach them the ways of repentance and love of the Lord, our God. For me, this is the foundation of every version of Christianity that exists. This is the very foundation of the Catholic Church, the very thing that we talk about, Pat, all the time. We say this saying all the time, love the sinner, not the sin. I can love the sinner without loving their sin. It is exactly what Jesus is telling us right here. I come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. He is calling the sinner to him to become part of his church. That is antithetical to the teachings of the time and to the teachings of Judaism. Judaism is about righteousness, about hierarchy, about all of these things, right? At the time, it was always to seek to be the most holy, righteous person that you possibly could. And Jesus is saying, no, we're, you are all fallen sinners in the eyes of God because you all come from Adam and Eve, who committed the first mortal sin. And as such, you will always be sinners, but I am here to call you to repent, to become faithful, and to realize that you're going to sin. I think this is the most powerful thing that Jesus ever said. Ever. What, what, what say you? Not to not to go down like the Book of Mormon route or anything like that here, but but there's actually a verse within the Book of Mormon that says the uh, the, the natural man is an enemy of God, and and so what that's saying is is like all of the the sinfulness that is is part of you is what is the enemy to God, not that you yourself are an enemy, right? So right, and this is kind of what it's kind of in that same vein, and and. This is this is kind of the whole purpose of Jesus Christ in, in, in one verse. He came here to save us. He came here so that we might have the ability to repent of our sin. Right. That he atoned for those things. And it, it it's one of the most comforting things, I think, about Jesus Christ and what he teaches. Uh, I mean, we we could pick an issue of of sinfulness around the world today. We we could pick one, and I guarantee you, somewhere in our, in our lives, there is someone close to us that is probably doing those things that they probably shouldn't be doing. That being said, you know, I, I've always welcomed those that that are near and dear to me to my table, to my home. You know, like like I I can still love you even though I don't agree with you, even though I don't support what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can still love you as my neighbor, as I love myself, um, and and let you figure out, and and also help you figure out if you ask for it, um, how to repent and and how to come closer unto God. I mean, this is something that 
even me, I'm a sinner. Yeah. I, I try not to, but, you know, uh, there is that natural man in me, right? Right. And, and I think it's important that you, that you and I recognize that we are fallen sinners. We are all fallen sinners. Because otherwise, this is just sanctimonious, self-righteous Christian people right. uh, preaching, you know, that they they are above you. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am no. saying is you need to recognize that you are a sinner and that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves the sinner. He doesn't love the righteous. And why does he love the sinner over the righteous? Because the righteous have already recognized, theoretically, uh, the righteous path of God. But he also recognizes that the sinner is the one seeking God, the one seeking truth, the one seeking righteousness. Now, the Bible also further teaches us, especially in the Catholic Church, that there's no such thing as a uh, as a really righteous, perfect man. It doesn't exist. And I'm using man as in mankind. It doesn't exist. The only time that that exists is upon your death and your ability to give the ultimate confession into heaven. And once you are there, you exist in your perfection. The perfect state of you exists after death. Because you come to your Lord, your God. You come to see. And only upon that does that perfection happen. It cannot happen. And Jesus is the is Jesus' death eventually, right? As we go along the Bible, teaches us that he died so that our sins could be forgiven. But he is telling us here in this, I call the sinner. He knew. He already knew his fate, right? But he called the very people of which he is going to sacrifice himself for to follow him. That is incredible insight. Incredible self-sacrifice. But call the sinner. Recognize your sin. Recognize it. It is, it is not okay to sin, but it's okay to recognize that you're going to fall off the wagon. You're going to sin one way or another. But you pursue betterment through your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your Lord, your God. All right, so let's get to the, uh, the, the fifth and final in the first half here. All right, Pat? This comes from John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, this is one that I think has come, come into common parlance, if you will, right? This is a common... You know, the truth will set you free, and all these other iterations of this. But this is where this comes from. Now, you know, there, another example of this would actually be um, Ben Shapiro's famous line, facts don't care about your feelings. It's another version of the truth will set you free. This is why, for me, the... 
when we talk about the spirit of the age invading the church. Ask yourself if the church today is in pursuit of the biblical truth in today's world. Is it actually in seeking that or seeking the approval of today's world? I argue the church has its relationships backwards. The broader church and the Catholic church. I would argue that most churches today, they are not teaching a biblical worldview. They are teaching a spirit of the age worldview and attempting to shoehorn the Bible to make themselves feel like they're doing God's work. This is a great example of this. The truth will make you free. If you continue in my word, if you listen to my teachings, if you listen to the teachings of God, right? If you listen because I am his son, right? That's what he's saying here in John. Now, I think also John is probably the most powerful um, of the the um, accounts in the New Testament. I personally believe that because we get so many statements out of there. You know, John 3.16 and John 3.17 and da 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 But listen to this. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The only freedom that we have is in the truth, and the truth is the teachings of Jesus Christ and our Lord, our God. That is the only way that you can be free. And it's why, for me, Pat, we put Root Yourself in God into Reviving Liberty. As we thought through the steps on the path of, of reviving liberty for yourself and for hopefully your neighbors and, and, and starting that snowball rolling down the hill, if you will. That, that's also why we put it at the number one right. part of right. the path. Exactly. The if you cannot step. understand that that is the truth, if you don't understand that the truth is the only thing that sets you free, it is the only way that you exist in liberty. Because, again, at the time of Jesus Christ, they were going through subjugation, real subjugation, tyranny of the Roman Empire. Fast forward to our founding fathers. They were going through subjugation of King George III, who believed in his divine right of rule. The only thing that gave these people freedom was the fact that the vast, 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 vast majority of those who were in the minority, those sons of liberty, those founding fathers, rooted themselves in knowing the truth of God, and the truth of God set them free. Listen to Jesus. Listen to God. Become disciples of Christ, and you will know the truth, and the truth will give you freedom. Liberty, if you will. I, I agree with everything that you, that you just said. Uh, to also take that just a slight step further. Yeah. If you follow his commandments, the commandments aren't there to just restrict you. They are there to set you free if you follow them and you follow them correctly. There, There is a – because I mean, the commandments are true, right? They, they are an aspect of, of true living and, and living your most worthy true self. Mm -hmm. That will set you free. Because to to get caught up and say, I don't know, pick one, 
lies or adultery or something like that, you are then bonded to whatever that sin is. Yeah, you're 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 bogged down by it. So it it sets you free to live a truthful, worthy life. And I think it's important to stop and recognize that because if you were to stop most people on the street mm-hmm. and ask them about the truth will set you free, I don't know if most people would know that that comes from the Bible, or more importantly, that that comes from the mouth of Jesus Christ Himself. Most people that, that, are just assume that that's some sort of uh, uh, phraseology or or common parlance, as I've talked about, right? Most people, if you ask them, what does the truth will set you free mean? It is a pursuit of some sort of scientific knowledge or wisdom, right? Yeah. And knowing that will set you free. No. The, this, this would actually be a really kind of cool, like, sidewalk interview to go up and do to random people. Like, like where, does the, where does the phrase, the truth will set you free, come from? And see what they say. I think you're right. I don't think most people would know. Yeah, um, I, I think we have a, a man on the street segment in in, in hand Ooh. here, Pat. Um, I do. I really right. do. So, um, before we move on to the other uh, the other five on this list, uh, why don't we play a little bit of the beer, not the bee? Let's do it. You know, still being somewhat biblical, uh, the Babylon Bee. Or not the bee. Um, all right. So today's headline: You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American, says president of nation founded by an insurrection. You cannot be pro-insurrection and pro-American, says president of nation founded by an insurrection. Now, while you are thinking about this, Pat, um, everybody, go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com, the official coffee of critical thinking and historically great coffee. Um, I love the Burr Hamilton. Nobody doesn't know that by now. If you've paid attention to this show, I absolutely love the Burr Hamilton. Uh, but they have so many great flavors. And please, folks, the coffee drops. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The coffee drops. Um, I don't know if they're still making them right now or if they're going to ramp those up in the future or what's going on there. But if you have a chance to get your hands on some, do so. Um, but to go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com, order yourself some historically great coffee. Again, that is AmericanPrideRoasters.com. And Mr. Pat, do you need the headline one more time? Yeah, one more time. <clears throat> you cannot be pro-insurrection and pro-American, says President of Nation, founded by an insurrection. Is this the B or not the B? See, I know For $100 doing, of Dominic Izzo's, absolutely... Straight laced MLM money. See, I, I know what they're doing here. They're they're trying to say that America was founded on an insurrection. I guess in, in, in a way it was. I mean, I, I consider it more revolutionary than anything. Um but given the language of this headline, I'm gonna See, it's it's there's truth in this. This is what pisses me off about this. But the way it's worded, I'm gonna go with the Babylon B. Are you just sure because about I, that? I can uh, no. Final answer. But, but I'm going with it. Final answer. Anyway, your gut is correct. This is the Babylon B. Yes. <clears throat> the president shot back at what he called super duper ultra maga turbo titans. 
on Monday as he claimed, quote, you cannot be pro-insurrection and pro-American, despite being the commander-in-chief of a nation founded by an insurrection. And there's so much truth in that. That's the great part, right? Right, right. Now, he continues to say, can you imagine Thomas Jefferson calling for the blood of tyrants? What if John Adams refused to pledge fealty to King George? England would have nuked us into oblivion. It would have been total malarkey anarchy, said the unblinking Biden, unflinching in the face of a citizenry, increasingly questioning whether he is fit to be president. <clears throat> he continues, look, here's the deal. These capital insurrection rights are traitors to American ideals because they wanted to challenge the results of an election, Biden confirmed. I know this for a fact because a traitor is everyone who does not agree with me. We saw what happened, he continued, referring to the events of January 6th. Law enforcement agencies were speared with terrorist javelins dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage. These are all the things that actually happened that I am not making up, he added. At publishing time, White House officials had advised the president to stop saying we saw what happened in regards to the January 6th Capitol rights because he keeps describing events that never took place. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have one question. Yeah. How would Britain have nuked us into oblivion? I don't I don't I don't know that was Joe Biden talking. I I'm just I'm just I'm just asking for a friend like like how would that have happened back in 1776? Yes, Pat. <clears throat> Again, Joe Biden was speaking that. Well, I'm I'm just saying he would know he was there. He doesn't know where he is, what day it is, what time it is, what year it is, Pat. Well, that's what happens when you're about as old as the country, so, and have dementia. Worst president ever. And we're not even talking about today the uh, Joe Manchin, what, I want to know what the hell Joe Manchin got. That's what I want to know. What, 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 what um, landing package, because he, his ass is about to get kicked in, in 2024 uh, when his uh, election cycle comes due. Unless he just retires, but yeah. Which um, is a definite possibility, by the right, way. Right, right. But I want to so, know what soft landing package he was promised. What uh, what cushy, um, you know, K Street um, lobbying gig he was promised in order, well, maybe it was ownership in a Chinese energy company. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Shh. That, that was Hunter Biden. But never mind. Never mind all of that. We haven't even gotten into that. Uh, the, the insanity of another $600 billion going into to uh, infrastructure. <clears throat> Build back better. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. the Inflation Recovery Act or whatever the hell they're calling it. Yep. Because, you know, nothing, nothing Pat, nothing stops inflation like uh, more money. government spending. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, for those for those that don't know what we're talking about, Joe Manchin caved on Build Back Better yesterday. That's mm. what we're talking about. He didn't cave on Build Back Better, Pat. It's a it's a totally different bill. It's the Inflation Recovery Act. That literally is the same thing as Build Back Better, just less money. But hey, you know, putting lipstick on a pig. <clears throat> Maybe it wasn't lipstick. Maybe it was just uh, coal. And the, the soot from uh, Joe Biden's car from when he was growing up. That gave him cancer. And yelled Stewie. 
No, no, we're not in Arkansas. That's Bill Clinton. <laughs> and that is a whole different hog. See what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did there. All right, let's move forward here. <laughs> Moving forward from talking about Slick Willie and, uh, and uh, whatever to Jesus Christ. Some people might say Jesus Christ. <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right. This wonderful segue brought to you by <laughs> oh, America's pork producers. <laughs> uh, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. All right. So number six on the list of not really in order, just that this is the sixth saying that we're going through. This comes from Luke. It is 2343. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And this is Jesus on the cross, right? This is Jesus on the, the, the Mount of Skulls, as they call it um, in the Bible. Um, this is Jesus telling his disciples, telling the people gathered that I am going to paradise and you are coming with me because you your sins are forgiven. Today, I, you will be with me in paradise. That you are coming with me as I suffer, die on the cross. One of my, it's, it's dark, but one of my most profound uh, things that Jesus ever said. I don't, I don't know if there's much that we need to say on it. If you don't get it, I sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, for for me, it's not even about so much that he's what he said. It's about when he said it, mm -hmm. and because he could have said that at any point in time, <laughs> and on at any sermon at any moment mm -hmm. prior to the events of his crucifixion and death and resurrection, and the fulfillment of. Uh, the messianic um, message, right? Mm -hmm. He could have said that at any point in time, but he chose the moment he was on the cross to let everybody know, ah, I was right. Now, let's move forward. Um, let's go to Matthew, um, one of my favorites, because we talk about this all the time. But uh, we're getting close to where I talk about, or what I talk about, but anyway. It is Matthew 5, 38, 39. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, this one for me is, it, it, again, it has become common phraseology, right? It is common nomenclature, whatever you want to say. Yeah, turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. This has got to be the most misunderstood teaching of Jesus Christ. Has to be the most misunderstood modern thought or interpretation of what was said here. Jesus was saying, because everybody is, everybody kind of believes that this is, well, turn the other cheek to them, as in don't react. That is not what Jesus Christ is saying here. There are three things that you need to know. Number one, why did they 
see, most people don't know the the part of this that says strikes you on the right cheek. If they're going to strike you on the right cheek, what are they hitting you with, Pat? The um, right hand, because they're going right to smack hand, yeah. you. They're not open-handing. So back then, it would have been a backhanded smack. So they're smacking you with the right hand. What did they believe about people who were left-handed, Pat? You were unclean. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You were bad. You were dirty. You were the dredge of Judaic society. So if you were to turn your left cheek to them, what would they hit you with? Their left hand. They proved to be the unclean one. Without you having to strike a single blow back at them, you have made them the bad person, the evildoer. You have shown them to be the unclean one. Without ever striking back. I just turned my cheek. Go ahead, smack me with your left hand. They wouldn't dare do that in that day. But also in that message, Pat, because of that right hand, right? Jesus is teaching us that violence doesn't, shouldn't beget violence, and that there is power in being better than that other person. There is power in control. You control your actions to another person. And so Jesus is not just telling you to turn the other cheek because um, you're submitting, right? That is the, the, the typical thought process. Well, you're submitting. No, 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 no. I am telling you, hit me with your left hand. Go ahead, do it, right? Do it. I dare you. It is the double dog dare of the, of the time, if you will, to, to kind of give a, a pop culture reference to this. That's what he's doing. He is showing power. He's showing dominance. That you can be dominant over those who are doing evil to you, but you don't have to do it by using violence. He is showing you nonviolence in the midst of a violent act towards you. And that the people that were around you, they won't see that as submission. They're going to see you saying, go ahead, try me. You walk away the better person. You walk away with the power. The other person doesn't. You have gained the upper hand without ever having to strike a blow. That is what Jesus is teaching here. You don't need to strike back. There is no an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You don't need to do that. Because the culture of the day, by the way, Pat, in Judaic society, in Roman society, was if somebody smites you, smite them back, right? Or somebody strikes you, you strike them back. He is telling you, do the opposite and you become powerful. You don't become powerful by simply being able to fight. You become powerful by showing something different. And oh, by the way, also the right and left hand. You have to understand that is why this is important. That is why when Jesus says and uses those terms, that you have to understand what it meant in the day and time. 
Also, the the term eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth comes from uh, the Old Testament, right? And and Christ was there mm-hmm. to in part to fulfill the Old Testament and and create the New Testament, right? This is this is kind of what this, this is the new law. This is my law, is essentially what he's doing. And he's not saying um, that that you should submit to evil. He's saying resist evil, right? In, in the same breath. In fact, yeah. that's that's the first thing he says. This doesn't mean this is also a, a, a when you when it comes to turning the other cheek, it's also saying, you know, for, forgive, forgive people, forgive your enemies, forgive those that that would, you know, do these things to you. But at the same time, that does not mean that you have to submit to them mm-hmm. because that, that is evil. So so that doesn't mean that, that you have they have to be a part of your life either. Mm-hmm. It means forgive them, but do not submit to them. Forgive, but don't forget. Mm, right. That's part of this. But most mm. importantly, it is the fact that what he is showing you is that the way to show dominance in these situations is not through violence. It is through right. thoughtful action. And that thoughtful action is, okay, now go ahead and try to backhand slap me with your left. Uh-oh, you're unclean. It, there's a hierarchy in that Judaic society, right, of the time. And suddenly you go from this dominant to the submissive. In that society. Mm. And there's also a whole lot of the dominant submissive um, tendencies of Roman society where there's a lot of that's how they kind of looked at the world. They didn't even look at it through man, woman, sexuality, all that sort of stuff. And, And that's a whole different kettle of fish for another day, maybe. But let's move forward. Um, let's go to John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Sola's soldiers did this, but standing by the cross of Jesus were her were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, why do I... Why do I include this? Why is this something that, you know, I, I thought about this. People so often, and, and maybe this is the, the Catholic in me, because people so often wonder, why, why, why this Mary, right? The Hail Mary. Why all of the things about Mary inside the Catholic Church? It's almost as if she's a, a saint or some sort of a deity within the church. It's this. It is this statement right here. Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. Mary is not just Jesus' mother anymore as he is being crucified. He is saying to John, this is him talking to John, the disciple who's standing there, that Mary is your mother now. I am passing my mother to you, to the church. Why? Because John is the ultimate representation of the church at the time. Okay? And that, John, you are now responsible for my mother. I am giving you the great responsibility of taking care of my mom to make sure that my mother has safety, has all the things that she needs in life, but that spiritually also you two are intertwined. Mary is the church now in the flesh. Because I am going to die, right? 
Think about that. Jesus is saying, Mary, here's your new son. John, here's your new mother. Have that relationship. It's also the teaching of, of part and parcel of the son-mother relationship being very important, period, in life. But think about those words. Behold your mother. Behold your son. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Mary became part of John's home. That's why she is such a central figure inside Catholicism, because as Jesus is dying, he is passing the physical church to her and saying, you are the Virgin Mary. You are the embodiment of everything that was said about you. All of it is true. That is the belief in the Catholic faith. And this is the part of the Bible that gives us that, that moment that tells us we should worship in Mary. We should worship in John and in Jesus, of course. Jesus, uh, Jesus and God above all. But that Mary is also very important. To know Mary and to pray to Mary is to be able to get that relationship. That's where it comes from in the Catholic faith. But what do you have to say about uh, that, that moment? Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. This isn't one, I'll be honest, this isn't one that I'm, I'm overly familiar with. Um, <clears throat> and this also isn't um, something that I have a lot of insight into um, because I, mm -hmm. this, is, this is where I think our faiths differ a little bit. Because mm -hmm. like while, while we revere Mary in our faith, you know, she is the, the mother of Christ. Mm -hmm. She's not as of like sainthood, like she would be in like the Catholic church. Um, if, if that makes sense. However, I do find this interesting that, you know, cause Christ's story really does begin with Mary. And it ends uh, with Mary. And, and it ends with like, like the whole, like the, the, the arc of that story is, is she's the, both the beginning and the end for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that I do find interesting. Um, and, and then just because I, I have like my, my scriptures pulled up electronically, <clears throat> one of the things that we have, we, we've done with our, with ours is we've kind of like done like a topical guide of different terms and things like that. I also found it highly ironic given the times that we're going over this, mm -hmm. that, uh, um, <clears throat> it says when he says unto his mother, woman, behold thy son, <clears throat> Um, woman is actually marked and it gives you like the topical guide version of woman and women. And then it goes into like all these different verses that define woman. What a woman women. is. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So. <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. So I, I think that's interesting. And, and, and that's why I think, you know, from a Catholic perspective, this is so important. But there are other things that could be important and put in that place. But let's mm -hmm. go ahead and move forward. We got two more to go. Uh, John. And by the way, the last two are going to deal with the actual physical death of Jesus Christ. And this is John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Three words. That's about as profound as it gets. Mm -hmm. It is finished. And what did he mean by it? Is finished. 
the prophecy of God is finished. The prophecy of his crucifixion, the prophecy of him being the son of, uh, son of God, the physical embodiment of God, finished. But that it wasn't done, it is finished, meaning his life is finished here on earth. I don't think we need to go any further than that, do you? No. All right, so let's go into the last one, and this comes from the Gospel of Luke. It is Luke 23, verse 46. Then Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. I mean, there is there any more famous quotation of Jesus in the Bible than, you know, into your hands I commit my spirit, or Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It just depends on the the version of the Bible that you right. that you're. I, I can't think of one. I mean, there's literally an entire song that is committed to this from System mm-hmm. of a Down, right? Literally, it is the ver- it is the chorus <laughs> of an entire song and inside pop culture. Into my into thy hands I commit my spirit. Again. He is showing us through these things that now he says, first he says it is finished. Then he gave up his spirit. Notice he didn't, they didn't say that he died. He gave up his spirit. This then says into thy hands, I commit my spirit. So as he gives his spirit up, he is committing it back to God so that God's prophecies, it will be fulfilled in three days, right? breathed his last breath after that. So he's get, he is saying it is finished, and then into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he actually breathes his last breath. Powerful. I mean, this is this is the moment this is the moment where he atoned. Oh well, I mean the Garden of Gethsemane really was was right. the beginning of that. But this is this is the fulfillment of the atonement right here. Absolutely. Um, and and so you know this is this is where I find myself eternally grateful and also humbled at the same time that, that there is no way on on earth that I could ever repay Christ for what he did. Mhm. And the only way uh, to really do so is to to look to his teachings. To attempt to live a life that is as Christ-like as possible. Right. But more importantly, to understand the lessons, the teachings, the sayings of Jesus, and to take them and, and, and let that be your guide to life. Right. And and that, I mean, knowing knowing that I'm always going to fall short of that because I am not the perfect being that he was, Um, mm-hmm. this is... It, 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 like I said, it's hum- it's truly humbling, um, and it, it because of him, there is the atonement, and there is the ability to repent, and then there is a path back to our Father in heaven because Absolutely. of him. Absolutely, so. and uh, I mean, just so powerful uh, are those moments and those words. Um, if Jesus can commit his spirit to God in the physical form as he is dying. We need to fall on our knees 
and commit our spirit. And with that, Pat, any final thoughts on today's show? See, I feel like my normal uh, final thoughts are probably not very reverent here, given given the topic. So I'll, I'll just say this: that I that I testify that that what we have just talked about and and these teachings of Jesus Christ, I, I testify them to be true, um, and I leave that with my testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And James 1, 5. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then I'm going to I'm gonna go with the, uh, you know, be smart, be kind, be safe. But I want you to actually hear the Matthew 5, 47 that I end the show with every day. And if you salute only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Have yourselves a good day. And uh, Pat, you will be solo tomorrow. Uh, I am uh, taking off for a little weekend getaway and uh, a much needed one (laughs) after a couple of stressful weeks. Um, So enjoy the voice of Pat Oni tomorrow here on Critical Thinking. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.